Episode 492, Pride, presented by Raytheon! Yay! Yay! I'm Saverin. I'm Fuzzle. And that's it. That's all you're getting this week, because Shiva's off seeing family, and we're Oh, I thought that was the whole episode. You're like, that's all you're getting this week. Nope. End of episode. Pride has been brought to you by Raytheon, um, because (laughs) we're a bunch of horny, kinky queers. We've been voted off the island by the 15-year-olds, who don't actually exist. And as such, Mm -hmm. that's all we can say. Like, we have to be squeaky clean for the kids that don't exist. Mm. and the homophobic straight people who want to take their kids and gawk at us like they're the zoo. Anyways, this is a week where we didn't record last week because we were just having a really nice time on Shiva's patio. Just chilling, just vibing. Yeah, it's probably going to be the last patio cast we get to do for a bit. Like, tonight would be a really good patio cast, but it's also threatening to rain. It says it's 86 degrees out there. There, There's a nice wind, but we're going to record in here because I'm set up in here. We're in the game room. Surrounded by my husband's games. Yep, so many books, so many tabletop board games and D&D stuff. Ugh. Truly an oversized plush die. That's when you, you know, you really fucked up and you have to roll your fate. You got to use the big dice. Mm-hmm. I just remember way back in the day being a kid, friend of mine, big into D&D. Yeah. And I would just like read the old books and read the old adventures and be like, oh, God, I wish I could do this. But mm. back in the day, you know, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, Satan's game. <laughs> been a nice couple weeks. Been all right. Like... Not a lot going on in Savern World, really? I mean, what? <laughs> no, they just the uh, Savern World. Uh, I, I just imagined you as like how Jeff Goldblum is in Thor Ragnarok. It's oh. like the game master, you <laughs> yeah. know? You're like, welcome to Savern World. And everything is like vaporwave and neon. <laughs> yeah, and persona pics just yeah. everywhere. Yeah. That that great old one of of Saffron with the the mirror shades and the finger guns. (laughs) We did get to tour the new Fiesta Hotel this last weekend. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, It's not really a new hotel to me or any of us around here because it's the Sheraton. It's the single largest hotel that still does nerd events here in Dallas short Mm -hmm. of going out to the Gaylord, which is way bigger and way more expensive, so we will never be hitting there. Akon was there for many years. Uh, Anime Fest is still there. there. That one New Year's Eve nerdtacular or whatever it was. A lot of events get shoved there because it's generally either they're too big for the Hyatt or the organizers think they're big enough to go to the Sheraton. Yeah, and the Sheraton has an attached convention center. And it's really, it's like the biggest in the area with the exception of the actual Dallas convention center unless you go all the way to like irving or yeah something like that but. um and irving doesn't have enough hotel support nearby no irving is like we're gonna put this convention center in the middle of a field yeah like i think you can see cows grazing from the irving convention center like it's still. relatively close to las colinas's little like city of the future thing but there's really like 
a couple of tiny hotels yeah. and that's it. It's close to the Las Colinas light rail station and that's really its only redeeming feature is that you could take the light rail to get there. But you, I mean, you could also take the light rail to the Cake Bailey Hutchison Convention Center in Dallas or indeed the Sheraton. Or the Hyatt. Or the Hyatt. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be a space that we'll be able to grow into even if we ever get like as big as MFF. Like Akon was in that space with like 20,000 people and it was cheek to cheek and very uncomfortable and mm-hmm. the AC couldn't keep up. But you know what? If we ever get that big, that's future people's problem. Yeah, that's and, like, future people's problem. My... But like we could probably get up to like 15,000 oh, comfortably yeah. there. But like right now we're what, five and a half? Yeah. We're under six, I think. And so. that's, you know, pre-COVID, so... Nobody really knows what's going to go down in terms yeah. of post-COVID. So it's like, so we got Furry Siesta coming up but that's this year in August, and that's in the Hyatt. And that's been traditionally like the little con that was supposed to just be a little two-day fun pool party thing for the locals. And we were all like, nah, no, nah, it's going to be hundreds of fucking people. And it... It had, what, 700 people last year? So it's still small as far as cons go, but it wasn't really a con. It was still just a two-day con. This year, it's looking like it's going to be a three-day con. And it's going to be the first furry event here in Texas since since COVID. Yeah. Since Furry Fiesta 2020. So, I mean, I don't put it out of the realm of possibility that 2,000 people show up and it's suddenly a fucking mid-sized and growing convention. Oh, the staff would not be able to handle that. But you know what? Yeah. We'll find out because, I mean, we're going to do that one as vendors. Right. Like, we'll be there slinging books. You know, on one hand, ah, oh, you know, that might be a real pain in the butt because, like, the, you know, the staff will be really overworked and everything. But on the other hand, as a vendor, if I run out of books, I will just drive home and get more. Yeah. Because that's it's local. a good problem to have. Yeah. Sure, it'll take me a couple hours to drive up here, load the car drive back downtown but who cares what to do you know yeah the other thing too is that like there's just so much space okay so like shiva this is back onto the sheraton this is back to the sheraton yes this is back to the new hotel where fiesta is going to be so my domain um is going to be up on the 37th floor probably 37 or 38 37 38 is a single ballroom. So on the main tower, the 37th floor and 38th floor, 38th floor is like a big ballroom dining room with a big view of the city. Real oh. pretty, real scenic. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of power, but that'll probably be like the super sponsored dinner and stuff up there. But a floor down is 37, which is like 12 individual rooms plus freight elevator plus it has a bathroom up there or two bathrooms and it has a single point of entrance so you can set up a little like entry booth at that thing and like everybody has to walk past you Mm. and that's going to be a shared space between me and tabletop okay but thing is even if i only take up half that space that's still like 5900 square foot that's bigger than the entire space that i was in at the hyatt of which i only utilize about half because we were sharing it with laser tag. Right. So that gives me a shit ton of room to eventually grow. So Where's laser tag going? Uh, the laser tag company went out of business. Oh, so COVID? 
Yeah. Mm. Um, so they won't be sharing space with me. Oh, but that sucks. A lot of people like it's been pretty popular. Oh, it was. You know? But if they're supported by cons and yeah. all the cons go away for a year and a half, yeah, you, yeah, you kind of you're out of luck. I mean, I lucked out in that. Like for Planet is kind of fifty fifty with our revenue. Like you know, half of our stuff we sell online orders through our web store. The other half is conventions. But I mean, I've known other companies that are like ninety ten cons yeah you know and if cons go away it's just like well guess i'll die (laughs) yeah yeah uh the only problem i see with that is like it's out of the way you can't just stumble across it you're not going to walk by the game room on the way to the vendor hall right so i could see that being a potential problem but you may have to really up your advertising yeah but i think because it is going to be like a joint space between all the gaming that should get a lot of foot traffic like there's three elevators that go up there mm-hmm. and so that might be a capacity thing but we'll see like i don't know i'm have to give it a shot because they're like look give it a year see how it goes i'm like all right fine whatever but that does give me a lot of flexibility like there's three tiny rooms that could be like oh this is just for a tabletop setup so people could play dungeon and dragons and run some short sessions mm-hmm. or you could just take one of these small rooms and make a fucking rock band dungeon so mm-hmm. Like, you set up a TV, you set up all the instruments, and the rock band is kind of sequestered in there, and you don't have to put up a a swear jar for people have to put $5 in every time they want to play, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody or Freebird, you know? Right, and it's also, it's a louder game. Yeah. So you put it away in a room where it's not, like, people can be tabletop gaming and not... Yeah. It's actually, like, the floor plan that they handed you when we got there for the meeting was, like, I don't I don't know how this is going to be, but this is actually like an actually surprising large space. Mm. Like it's its own little floor of just gamer shit. Like floor plans are great for houses and buildings, but like nothing really compares to actually walking into the space mm-hmm. and then being able to like connect your brain to like how it actually looks in real life versus how it looks on the paper. And it's much easier to plan. Once you can pull up a visual in your memory of what it looks like. What's really funny, too, is because, like, it's all on eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper. So my floor is, you know... Just just one one, big blue block. (laughs) Well, it shows the floor layout and the various rooms and stuff. But then so, too, is Shiva's domain. Right. Which is the bottom floor of the convention center. And is literally an acre and a half. (laughs) So, you know... It's really hard to tell from scale yeah there, so right needless to say this is me being enthusiastic about the move and being like holy shit we have so much room to grow mm. but also it's a challenge that i'm gonna have to really pull some people in i want people to bring their rock band stuff i need to bring people like i might be able to get people to bring some arcade shit because i now have room depending like we aren't gonna have ps5s because good luck getting your hands on one let alone 10 but i've still got my playstation 4s and we should have internet access and we're going to try to do the tournament thing like we did last time Mm -hmm. like i've been going back and forth with kalis on this a little bit Mm -hmm. and so it's like all right i've got till april to really well i have not till april i have before next april but i have a while to get this together and hopefully i'll be able to put together a really good utilization of the space Mm -hmm. because one of the big things is like even Like, as we're still coming out of COVID, we don't want to be cheek to cheek. The fact that we have so much space available for 
the vendor hall or the artist alley because you can spread people out so we're not quite so tightly packed so like i see like 2022 dealers then may not have significantly more vendors because we'll want to maybe have the social distancing between tables yeah but as the con continues to grow and then you look at 2023 you can look at well you know shit is really under control now or we're past Mm -hmm. worrying about it at all and you know we can start squeezing more people in or whatnot we have that opportunity so that's exciting it's challenging but I think that we're up to it. Like, there's some space at the hotel that we're just kind of like, how the hell are we going to utilize this? Because they're, like, weird little out-of-the-way things. But, Mm -hmm. again, like, some of them can be repurposed into unconventional things. Like, okay, here's a quiet room. Honestly, yeah, that was, like, I've been to, like, one con, I think, that had a quiet room. And so have you. You said that Pack South had a a quiet room. And, um, And that was kind of nice to just be able to, like, go somewhere, just sort of chill out. Yeah. Check my phone, rest my feet for a few minutes between panels or waiting to see guests or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. This was one of the big fan cons uh, downtown. Yeah, like I don't know if the organization that ran it at PAX South way back in 2015 and 2016 is still around. I assume they are, but I don't know if they're local or what. But yeah. it was nice. Um, the group was called Take This, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was just like they had trained staff like, hey, you need to talk to somebody? Or, but they also had like room monitors to make sure that people weren't being loud, that people weren't like making out in the corner. Mm. See, that was another idea was that I thought for your gaming room, you could turn one of the small rooms into a sexy VR room. You know, you could just be in there, hump, hump in the air, you know. Actually, in a non-joking sense, setting up a VR room wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. If there was a way to do it. But we've kind of talked about that before. Like, whose equipment would you use? You'd have to wipe it down after every use. Even pre-COVID, it was like... Yeah, I was just like, on one hand, sure. On the other hand, moist. Yeah. Like eventually that would that headset would get real gross. Yeah. Not to mention the genital attachments. Yeah, man. Like have to get like a, you know, gross of Tenga eggs and like swap them out. Oops, sorry, you went over my head with that. Oh, Tenga eggs are little uh single use masturbators. Oh okay. they're like right. a couple bucks. Ah. You use them and they tear up because they're really low quality. So pocket but pussy, yeah, they're like really cheap pocket pussies. Okay. But that's really about the most exciting bit going on is that well, Fiesta has a new hotel, new After home. X number of years at the Hyatt, it's time to for the staff to do this dance again and learn a whole new set of buildings. And I, One thing, though, that really stood out to all of us is that none of us are really up to standing on concrete for any real length of time anymore. <laughs> like, by the end of it... Like, I had to, to bail out because I had a birthday party, a birthday dinner to go to. You know, Spaz. Yeah, yeah. Pony Spaz. Uh, he came up here, and he's actually still in town oh. um, until, like, the 4th. We're going to take him out to dinner this weekend, probably. Cool. And so we had dinner at Grimaldi's off from 114. It was a real good coal-fired brick oven pizza place. Mm-hmm. A bit expensive, very tasty. But, like, by the end of the walkthrough and when I bailed, my back was like... Oh, you dumb bitch. You've been standing on concrete for three hours now? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. So yeah, that's going to be a real acclimation point. Between the crowds and then just standing on concrete, Mm -hmm. man, everybody's out of shape. And both, like, physically and, like, you know, for some of us, we we do so many cons a year. Mm -hmm. We did so many cons a year. And then we have this year and a half break. 
Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, shit. I'm like, I gotta get back used to this. I don't have... Something Ajax was saying, him and Tyrion was like, our muscles are all jelly now because we're not constantly loading and unloading the car or... And even beyond that, just, hey, I've ordered an absolute shitload of stock for such and such con. I need someone to go to our UPS mailbox and pick it all up. And that's like a full fucking carload and bring it in the house and inventory it. That's a lot of physical labor that we haven't done for like 18 months. I, I had a real moment because um, the, uh, the Sheraton has a really nice gym. And there was the whole, the racks of free weights and everyone, and like a few of us were like, ha ha, wow, look at these. And like, what can you do? And I was like, eh, oh dear. Eh. <laughs> like there was a couple of you were like, oh, okay, go down, go down, go down. Okay, the 25s. Oh shit. Wow. It really has been a year and a half. Hasn't it? <laughs> oh man. So like, that's one thing I'm definitely going to have to work on. Cause like when you don't have a gym for a year and a half and <laughs> Yeah. The best you can really do is walk. It's just like, oh my god, I have got to get get moving because, like, in addition to Siesta, we also have Akfi back on the menu. Uh-huh. And that's going to be both a driving thing, which, hey, at least I've been doing some long distance driving, getting back into that. Yeah. But, like, that's going to be a lot of work, a lot of walking, a lot of setup, a lot of standing. It's like, oh my god, we have to get back into a mode where we interface with other humans. Yeah. Which we haven't done. <laughs> For the most part. Like, I'm super glad. Like, it, even the, like, 20 people or so that we had for the the tour, mm. my brain was like, this is too many people, brownie mm. face. Yeah. Um, and a couple other people shared that sentiment because it's like, again, we've been little hermits. Those of us that have, like, office jobs or whatever and mm. haven't been people-facing. Yeah. We're all just out of practice. Um, so it's going to be an interesting mm. adjustment period. Like, and I think the largest group I've been around is when you and I would go over to Shiva's and their whole crew was over there. And that's like, there'd be like seven of us all together. Though this uh, last Sunday, mm-hmm. we did go out, we being Panther, myself, Helicity, Spazzy, and a couple of my Londoner friends. We mm-hmm. all went to Somi Somi over by Old Denton and Trinity Mills, the little Asian shopping district there. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's an Asian taiyaki and ice cream, except it's lactose-free ice oh, cream. Oh, you tweet, you, you telegram me a picture of that. Yeah, it was a little, Shiva like, recommended it. Yeah, she even mentioned it, said it was really good, and then, like, Elicity had said she wanted to try it, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna go. And I dragged Panther out to go to it, too. That place is super busy at all times. Like, it's impressively busy. Wow. So that was quite the crowd. And I say that to the whole shopping center. Like right. we had to park pretty far away from the actual shopping center. Is this center. where the bookstore is? Yeah, the Kinakunia 85C, Daiso, 99 Market, mm-hmm. all those little places yeah. that a lot of them eat candy. And like dad. a million candy stores and restaurants and stuff. Yeah. Okay, so it's lactose free. Does that have soy in it? I don't think so. Like I think hmm. you could totally have that. Interesting. The little waffles um, are really good. They're little fish-shaped waffles that are cone- they use them as cones, or you can just get them in a cup and they put the fish on top of it with a little strawberry or a little mm-hmm. macaron. Yeah, it's real tasty. Like the only flavors that have lactose were milk. They have a milk flavor, but I got a sesame horchata, which is a uh, like spiced milk drink, but it doesn't actually have milk in it. And then the sesame doesn't have any lactose in it either. So I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. See, I was just going to get the, the little uh, waffle things and be happy with that. But I was super happy to realize that, right, lactose tolerance is actually the fluke for most of the world. Yeah. And so they would have lactose-free options 
because if they're sticking to like an Asian market, a lot of people just don't have that lactose tolerance as adults. So it's like, aha, I'm good. I can have this. And I did. And it was really good. But that's the uh, Somi Somi ice cream place off of uh, in Carrollton, Texas. It was that that really kind of made my weekend. It's like, oh, I went to an ice cream place that I could actually have the ice cream. I might do that once in a while, but yeah. like I'm making good progress on on losing weight here. Yeah, you, you tweeted today that you've made some really good progress about your uh, uh, 45 pounds down since January. So that's hell yeah, dude! Like 45 pounds in five months, and I'm like, ah, oh, can I lose another 55 you in could. the remaining seven months of the year? And be like, I lost 100 pounds in 2021. You know, just <laughs> I know I'll plateau at some point and I'll have to change up my activity level to to kickstart that along. When it comes down to it, um when you put a big number like that, you can get you discouraged if you're not making enough progress. Yeah. Like just keep focusing on what you're doing, like eating the the meal plans you got and walking yeah. and being more active and you'll get there eventually. Yeah. Like cuz setting goals that are too big and you get discouraged and you fall off the wagon, it's bad. Don't do that. Yeah, it would but, be nice to lose that much in a year, but yeah. right now I am just enjoying seeing that number progressively getting lower on the scale. Yeah. Like for me, um I'm back up a bit more than I would like and now I've got a a yearly physical, you know, old man thing here coming up at the end of June and I'm like, well, I net number needs to be lower then than it is now. Mm. So that's kind of motivating. I had to go get a new doctor and I said, so this is this is where Saverin gets to complain about the horrible horrible racket of the American healthcare system. Right. Oh god, yeah, that shit you told me about your your medication so (laughs) i'm i'm on a couple asthma medications because breathing is nice i like to breathe Mm -hmm. you know oxygen it's good folks i have singular and advair so my singular had run out of refills and then at the end of the year our insurance changed because panther's job just is cheap and they're like oh we're gonna go with the cheapest option possible fuck you and so you know deductibles go up out of pocket goes up Prescription coverage gets changed. So I went to go get a refill of my Advair. And when I got there, the the cashier's like, hey, I don't think you want to get this because my three-month supply of Advair had gone up to $750. And that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm not going to get that. So I just had my Singular. But because I was running low on my Singular, I had to get a... It's like, oh, look, fuck. I got to get a new doctor, first of all. I got to go find a new clinic that takes my insurance. I got to find one that's close. Thankfully, there's yeah. one right up here off of... Just north of here off at Trinity Mills and Marsh. Okay. And nice doctor. Very in and out. Oh, you want this prescription? Cool. Great. <laughs> like, I, I don't think I'm going to have to fuck around with the my old doctor. Like, oh, we need to see you every three months and you have to pay us. You know, it's like $250 every time you see us, but we want to see you every fuck quarter. Yeah, God. And that's with insurance? Yeah, because if you don't hit that out of pocket, it's all out of pocket. Because the out of pocket deductible is like three grand, and if you don't hit three grand of medical in a year, is it's that just three grand each or as a couple? Uh, each. Yeah. So like you got the ultra high like deductible. Our, it's like thirty five hundred dollars actually total, I think. Okay. And like to make things better, this new doctor I got, like in. He wrote me three three month refills that are good until May of next year. Oh, so I don't have to awesome. see his ass if I don't want to. It's amazing. That's the way it should be when you've been on the same medications for years or decades. Like they should just write you a 12 month supply and be like, I'll see you on your next annual physical. 
And, like, that's fine. Um, like, there's certain drugs that they might need to check after a while, but, like, asthma medications? It's like, look, the, the previous place, low-income clinic, they need the money. Sure, whatever. But, like, wow, you get, like, a 5 to 10% lung capacity increase every time you take this. Wow! A buterol. It works, because you've been taking it since you were, like, a child. Yeah. So, new doctor, real positive experience, got many prescriptions, went there, go to Target, 15 bucks for a three-month supply. <laughs> And it just shows what a fucking racket it is. Don't have the right insurance? It'll cost you a thousand percent of whatever it should. So the reason why we had this problem is because I had an old prescription for my old insurance. Uh, And so they're like, oh, we're going to like this is prescribed, but it's not current. So it's at this higher rate. But then it's like, oh, you finally have a new prescription from a doctor in our system, blah, blah, blah. Right. Five bucks a month. Five bucks a month for my other shit. And I got a new drug that's fucking six bucks for a 90-day supply. Mm-hmm. It's like, shit, man. And the retail price of the Advair, $1,100 for a three-month supply if you don't have insurance. It's fucking sickening. And, like, that's that's an asthma medication. This isn't something that I require to live, like insulin or something like that. I don't need insulin, thank God. No, but if your asthma was bad enough, you would need it yeah. to live. Yeah, and I'd be yeah. on the hook for, what, $4,400 a year mm-hmm. if I didn't have insurance? And, like, yeah. if you weren't on it, though, it would significantly impact you. Like, you know, your, your lung function capacity would go down. Mm-hmm. You would definitely have to watch when those weather warnings are like, hey, if you're sensitive, don't go outside today. You know, like all of that shit would impact you so much more if you were not on your medications. And that can lead to like people whose asthma are maybe a little bit worse than you. So like that's the difference between having like, um, you know, a, a fairly self-sustaining life versus like, well, I have to file for disability now. Yeah. Because I... I can't work because i just don't have the lung capacity anymore or something like that you know yeah so over a total fucking scam mm-hmm. you know if they can give it to you for five bucks a month then the whole eleven hundred dollars for or whatever is is just horseshit oh it totally is a fucking scam like there's been a couple things recently where people were like all right well how much does it actually cost to have a baby in the united states i was talking about this with you yeah there's there's actually a very interesting article that came out two or three years ago about that i don't know if you're talking about the same thing i think we are i was yeah we're like basically the um the guy's wife was pregnant and he wanted to answer that question and he starts calling around and there is no firm answer no one can actually answer that question with a dollar sign and a high degree of accuracy because it the answer is it depends because the hospital will bill the insurance company for however much they think they can get away with and then the insurance company will try to negotiate them down and then if they reach a point that they agree then it's all good if they don't and the insurance company pays as much as it feels that it can or should. And then the hospital bills you for the rest. Yep. So if they reach an accord and you have a really high-end fucking what quote-unquote Cadillac plan, which just means that you have semi-decent insurance for an American, then maybe it'll cost a couple hundred bucks, maybe 500 bucks to have a baby. Or if you have shitty insurance, maybe it'll cost 10000 yeah. You know, it's like a real fucking broad range. Well, I mean, like, I saw a tweet today about someone who got a hysterectomy and the hospital was billed, like, billed, like, $50,000 that they ended up having to pay 3500 of. Mm-hmm. Or when I had my weight loss surgery, 
way back in the day. Yeah. That ho- that hospital bill was $125,000, of which we paid 2500 Yeah, that was one of those things that we made absolutely double, triple sure that our insurance would cover before we went forward with it. No kidding. God. But, like, when I had my gallbladder out, the insurance company tried to dither on the anesthesiologist, and that Mm -hmm. was, like, a $5,000 thing that I had to be, like, I'm not paying this, you cunts. And I didn't. Um, Ended up having to pay, like, that was still a $7,000, like, ER bill, but, like, the gallbladder surgery was still only, like, $500. Mm Mm-hmm. Needless to say, the American healthcare system sucks, but anybody in the U.S. who's listening to this knows it. This has just yeah. been Saverin's most recent encounter with the bullshitium that is well, the system. On the note of, like, um, hospitals and shit like that, and it's like how they, they try to do you on the anesthesiologist, it's like you have to try and make sure that everybody is in network. Yep. Which you may not be able to do in an emergency situation, and then you're just fucked. Yeah. But, you know... Your anesthesiologist is in one network. Your surgeon, if especially if it's a specialty like they're a cardiologist or something like that, they're in a network that may or may not overlap with the network of the anesthesiologist. And neither of those or both of those may or may not overlap with the network that the hospital itself is in, which covers all the shit that the hospital does, including your bed stay there and all the nursing and shit like that. So like if any one of those elements, and that's only three I'm sure there can be more, you know, because like oh, some procedures you apply to a physical therapist or something, yeah. And your physical therapist may or may not be in your network, you know. And your physical therapist may cost you twenty bucks a day on insurance or a couple of hundred bucks a day on off of insurance. Ad. Well, and I like sometimes the insurance doesn't cover certain types of surgery. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, if you're doing a hernia repair. Is it going to be done laparoscopically via robot, or is it going to be done by human hands? And sometimes there might be differences in coverage. So, needless to say, (laughs) it's a nightmare. I'm just glad I can breathe, because, like, the Advair really does increase my quality of life. You know, turns out being able to breathe is good. Honestly, like, in in a fucking civilized, rich, modern country, anywhere else in the world, that shit would just be free. It'd be like, oh, you have asthma... You have a a mental thing, whatever you need to quote unquote function normally to improve your quality of life is just free. You know, you shouldn't have to pay for your asthma medication. No one who takes a pill because their brain chemicals, their brain doesn't make enough happy juice so store-bought is fine. They shouldn't have to pay for that, you know. Women shouldn't have to pay for fucking menstrual supplies. Or birth control. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. The, yeah. You're like, hey, this shit lets me breathe and improves my quality of life. And, you know, you you have to fuck around with, how can I afford this? Which doctor can I go to? Who's in network? And it's like, it's all this extra onus on you, the patient, that does need to be there. You know, I tweeted about at the time that like this is finding a new doctor is a real nightmare because like it sorts them by name, but not the location. And so it's like, oh, is this a multi-doctor clinic? Is this a private practice? What is it? You know, and then you have to like you look at the doctor's website and it looks like it was made in GeoCities circa 1998. And it's like, oh, do I really want to go to this doctor? You know, that's modern life, man. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, as, as we get older, 
we all have to deal with this shit. So it's like, damn kids, let me tell you, insurance, it fucking sucks. Medicare for all. (laughs) Capitalism, burn that motherfucker to the ground. So I think we can actually get to the part of the episode that's actually mentioned in the title. Yes. We want to get to the pride. Oh, Pride. Not the discourse. You know, I think that this is actually a really easy discourse to handle this time around. Fuck bitches, get scritches. Yes. But also, we have to remember that, first of all, we don't really get pride again this year. So, like, everything that's being discussed online is theoretical. Theoretical, yeah. Like, Dallas Pride is not actually an event this year in as much as a two-night concert series that you have to pay to get to at the concert shell at Fair Park. Right. Like, it's actually this next weekend. Mm. And... Traditionally, though, Dallas does their actual Pride Parade in September. Yeah. So I don't know know whether that'll happen or not. But, like... June is Pride Month, and a lot of cities and places do Pride during Pride Month. But some places, especially... In the South, when weather may not be permitting, um, I assume that's why Dallas does it in fucking September. Uh, it's not even called the Pride Parade. It's the something or other Freedom Parade, I Yes, think. the Alan Ross Freedom Parade here in Dallas. Right. But it's DallasPride.org. Is the yeah, website. yeah. But they don't obfuscate it at all. It's just they call it right. what it is. Yeah. And so the a lot of the discourse this year is like, what about kink and pride? I was like, well... This has been something that's come around for a long time, but there's a couple things that need people need to realize. First of all, is Operation Pridefall. It's been a 4chan thing that's been going for a couple years. Is that the sequel to Skyfall? I wish. And what it is, is basically they make sock puppets that position themselves as, oh, well, I'm a minor and I blink blah. And more often than not, they're just there to cause shit. They have an anime icon. They have nonsensical political stances. They say they're minors. They use pit crew abbies. And they're not real. It's all bullshit. Block them. Their accounts were made this month. They're not real people. They don't count. So their opinions can be discarded immediately. Second of all, if it weren't for the dykes on bikes and the leather daddies and the transvestites and the trans people, we wouldn't fucking have pride to begin with. Mm. So we're not going to kick them out so your theoretical 15-year-old can potentially join if their homophobe parents let them. But the good news is these 15-year-olds don't exist. So they can eat shit. And fuck so, them kids. Yeah, in the, in the words of Michael Jordan, fuck them kids. And really, like, there's been a lot of digital ink spilled on this topic. Because I made a little thread about it, and then you found a real banger of a thread that was really, really long today. Yeah, we're going to link that. But it covers pride from, like, its inception to where we are today. Right. And, like, where we are today in terms of pride is that, like, it's got, it's Bank of America. It's Raytheon. It's, you know, insert company here. Then it's, like, sanded down, very corporate safe. But there's still people in leather. There's still some people in puppets, And that's fine. Like, the thing that you shouldn't want to see at Pride is motherfucking Raytheon or McDonnell Douglas or insert weapon manufacturers. We don't want to see cops with Pride badges. We don't want to see the U.S. military recruiters there. <sighs> you know... What we do want to see are people having a good time, reveling in being themselves, and not 
being ashamed of who they are. Yeah. And I think, like, the biggest thing, too, is that these people are arguing intentionally from a position of ignorance. Because Pride has always been a very broad event. It's not just one day, a singular event, and then it's done. Pride is an event. Pride's a parade. Pride is the big deal at the park. Pride's the after parties at the clubs that the kids can't go to. Mm-hmm. So, like... There's even family pride. It's a separate picnic event for families with queer kids or people that want a more toned down experience. Right. Like the things that people are saying, we need to tone down pride. Those things exist. Yeah. They're saying they want a kid friendly area that exists. Yeah. There's a fucking bounce house. Do you, if you want to go to the, the leather daddy stuff, well, there's a leather bar. Actually, I don't know if there's a leather bar in town. Like the Mr. Leather closed here in Dallas, which is kind of a shame because I want to get a harness and puphood out of spite. But like the big discourse, is like, look, everything that these bad faith accounts want already exists. The things that they claim are happening, they're literally just recycling photos that are posted to 4chan to be used for this thing. Oh, you see this little girl with three people in puppets and she's waving a little flag. And they're like, look at this degeneracy. And it's like, those people are having fun. That little girl's having good experience. And that's from like San Francisco Pride or the Folsom Street Fair in some cases, which... Yeah is not indicative of pride. That's actually San Francisco Leather Pride, and it's totally a valid event. But you can't say that Folsom Street and people with their dick and balls out because public nudity is allowed in San Francisco is indicative of pride. But the thing is... Oh, it's indicative of... These people are making arguments from position of ignorance, expecting you to be as ignorant as they. I think they're also making an argument in the spirit of malignancy. Yeah. Like, in particular, when it, when it comes to Folsom, like, and this thread goes into that, Folsom, at least the part where, like, you're allowed to walk around with your dick and balls out, or someone is allowed to get flogged publicly or fisted in public or something like that, that shit's locked down. That shit's behind barriers. That shit is 18 plus only. And you can't just wander by and see that. Like, you you have to want to go there. Yeah, you literally have to put yourself in that situation at but Folsom. They're, they're posting photographs from Folsom of public fucking and saying that this is what happens at Pride. And it's like, no. Or, like, trying to claim that the little puppy tails that they that are worn on a belt mm-hmm. are actually butt plugs. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and, like, you see all these All you need is, like, one arguments. furry artist to point out the anatomy of how that yeah. would not work. And it's frustrating to see, but it's also people really cracked into it quickly, too. Yeah. Because they're like, look, this happens every year. It's cyclical. We didn't have Pride last year, and we still had this. You're not having Pride this year, and it's still fucking happening because it's an op. It's a fucking psyop. And it's not just 4chaners. It's right-wingers that hate gays. And Mm -hmm. then you have the useful idiots who don't explain what their stance of what kink is. And I, honest to God, have seen just absolute dumb motherfuckers Uh saying that drag is kink. And you know what that straight goes up into... Oh, trans people are kink. This is nothing more than channers and turfs trying to fuck shit up further for trans people in addition to everybody else. Yeah. And so to anybody making these arguments, 
either out of ignorance or bad faith, fuck you. And the thing is, is it's like, even if someone is not trans or a drag queen, even if someone is cross-dressed because it is a kink to them, it's the same as being dressed as a leather daddy or a pup. It's perfectly valid expression of your sexuality I mean, at Pride. You're going to see as much fucking skin at a Comic-Con as you are Pride. Yeah. It's like, like, oh, is that, oh, that person's dressed up as Poppy it, from Monster Musume. And this is... Ooh. I've seen it. It's hot. Oh, shit. Um, Shout out with me afterwards. Anyway, but, like, the thread goes on about that, about how, you know, you see so much nudity or near nudity in, like, a Gucci ad. Or, like, a lot of, like, sachet or... <laughs> Representation, you know, cishet. Um, no. You haven't seen that bit? No. Oh, God. It's a, a brief digression. It's a, it's, a, um, it's a TikTok where the guy's cisgender heterosexual roommate is trying to explain that he's cishet, which means that he's very fancy. He's like, well, I as a sachet male and he's like he's like drinking beer out of like a fucking goblet or something like that <laughs> just just no it just means cis hat well that might be what you think because you're not sachet <laughs> anyway um but no like um regular cis hat society advertising sex sells it's all highly sexualized you know look at you know victoria's secrets models they're just right out out there and like and i'm not shaming women's bodies and i'm i'm pan i don't have a problem seeing boobs and butt but if you're going to criticize the gay representation of sexuality then it's really one-sided and hypocritical to not also criticize the overly sexualized heterosexual side of things i mean better is to just don't do that at all and we get one day or one one month when we're out loud out proud like eat ass take names you know um but and, and that was part of like the the slogans back in the day was out loud out proud we're here we're queer deal with it you know and it, it was an anti-respectability politics and, and because you know and this thread goes into it too how like like back in the day what is it the mattachine society the Mattachine, yeah you, you know they were assimilationist queers who didn't want like lesbians to dress too mannish and they didn't want trans people because they wanted to be acceptable and be like look we're just like you the cishets yeah. so you therefore shouldn't hate us right no and and i used to feel like that like you know, and I, I'm totally owning up to my bullshit here, because if you find episodes from even, like, five years ago, I have a very different take on this. But it's sort of like my own slow discovery of my sexuality and gender identity and how I think about things. And the more I read up on things, it'd be like, because even if you're queer, you still grow up in the cis-het normative world with certain mores and what an idea of professional is what is an idea of acceptable attire in public and things like that and it takes you a long time of kind of before you're like able to sort of express yourself in your own sexuality 
and feeling comfortable doing that. And I've finally been able to move on from that and like see how bullshit the idea of enforced conformity is. Yeah. It's it's just a lifetime of internalized homophobia, transphobia, whatever, you know, insert phobia here. Mm -hmm. And like, you want to be like, oh, I'm not like those flaming queers. I'm normal. When no, just by virtue of being gay that or any flavor of queer, they're not going to accept you. So you have to accept yourself first and then make them understand. Yeah. It's something that everyone has to learn. And one of the other big points is pointed out, like we don't have a lot of gay elders. We don't have a lot of people that we might know that are that have lived through that through the 80s and the 90s. We kind of had the, this big old deal called AIDS that killed a shitload yeah, of people. The people that fought those battles to get us to where we are, where we are allowed to get married to the ones that we love, where our sexual acts are no longer criminalized. Those people are by and large not here anymore, not because of age. Because they're fucking dead. Because AIDS killed so many of them. That fucking picture of the San Francisco gay men's choir is fucking haunting. Mm -hmm. You know? And yeah, you look, and, and it's like these people would be like Ian McKellen's age yeah. now. You know? Well, I mean, and there's very few out queers his age. Like, I think the oldest queer person I know is in their mid 50s. Mm hmm. And that's not great because, you know, they live through all that period, but we don't have a lot of people like we, you and I are getting up into quote unquote queer elder age because, you know, you're over 40 and I'm getting there. Right. Like, that's, that's fucked to see. But like we grew up, we were yeah. born at the tail end of the AIDS epidemic, really murdering people. And so like, we don't have a lot of people that much older than us to be those elders, to be those those guideposts. And so, like, a, a big lacking thing is we don't have, like, these older people to be able to, to slap some sense into these little shits, you know? Right, yeah. To be like, I was beaten in the streets to try to, you know, for being a gay mm -hmm. and putting the fear of God into these kids, you know? I saw a tweet the other day from a trans person that said someone just referred to me as a trans elder. I'm 33. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you know. It's just, it's frustrating because it's this discourse that happens every year and it's really easy to get sucked into it. But you have to realize that nobody's making these arguments in good faith. And the other thing that really sets us back is that we've mentioned this before is the fucking Nazi burning of of that um, sex and gender yeah. studies building back in Germany in the what the thirties forties, yep. and it's like, it's like you know, so our our understanding of sexuality and gender is set further back, and like like they were literally doing like research into gender confirmation surgery back like literally 100 years ago yeah they you know so. like <laughs> you, that that one that particular archive had like cutting edge stuff in it and like you can't expect britain and america to really be at the bleeding edge of this kind of thing because they're so fucking puritanical like I mean, we're founded by fucking puritans we're not going to be the country that breaks the mold on on a scientific understanding of how gender works i mean shit alan turing was the father of computing yeah uh killed himself at age 41 because uh the fucking british like oh hey you saved our asses during the war but you're still a gay yeah 
you know. Yeah, Alan. You know, and they they finally issued a formal apology as a nation, like. I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. I think it was under the Tony Blair administration. Yeah. And and it's just, this is how you, you treat your heroes, you know? Looking at his article on Wikipedia, he, Turing was granted a posthumous pardon in 2013, mm. and the Alan Turing Law is now an informal term for a 2017 law in the UK that retroactively pardoned men cautioned or convicted under historical legislation that outlawed homosexual acts. But, like, you know, I think it really is a lack of understanding, a lack of the history, and, like, it's hard enough that the history is hidden or lost and like we have these laws where it's like oh you know we don't want to teach the kids about the gay or if you're going to teach about the gay you have to warn the parents 30 days in advance and other shit like that in like tennessee but like oh it is fucking thing in tennessee where you have to put a warning sign up if you if your business serves transgender people yeah i mean i'd fucking put that on my business as a badge of honor you yeah, know it's like a, a right alongside a sign that's like yeah if you have a problem with this fuck off we don't want your business yeah you know and i can say that right now as a business owner you know right-wing people anti-queer people as far as for planets concerned fuck off yeah. you, you don't deserve to buy our shit you don't even deserve to buy our straight porn you know, I don't need your money. Just to put it to fucking rest is like, look, the discourse, it's not going to change anything. You're literally wasting your time if you're engaging with it. I would suggest install Twitter one click block mm -hmm. and just send those people into the void because they're not worth it. Like I have blocked a few of them were actual real ass furries that had a bad take, mm -hmm. but I don't care. But most of them made this month 10 followers tweet nothing but invective like if you look at their profile there's no actual standalone tweets it's only replies right you know it's like these people aren't real you're not engaging in an actual argument you're just dealing with assholes you know out to if, cause division. if it was a real person who was a friend that uh that i knew well and I could be like, look, you're in the place that I was in five or ten years ago. And here's what I know that you don't know yet that I've learned since then. I mean, then. yeah, it is a big may difference. Maybe I would reach out, you know, but not on public Twitter. I would reach out either via DMs or Telegram if, you know, yeah. we were close enough I mean, to like that. I mean, like the quote-unquote real-ass furries, they were like furries, but they were like, oh, I'm a minor. And I'm like, oh, oh well, don't even talk to me. Block them anyway. Yeah. And Be so, talk. like, and we had this thing happen a couple of years ago with furry cons and pup hoods. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's the same shit. Yeah. It's this whole respectability shit. The whole, like... Trying to shove adult content away from being involved because we and have to appeal to the, the families and the kids. I remember us being very shame on the the pup people like at FWA because like they were like humping in the lobby or whatever. Well, and that's because like, they were humping in the lobby. Well, they weren't. They were wrestling. Oh, okay. Apparently, but I, you know, yeah, I remember being very much on the other side of this argument like a few years ago, and I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care anymore. Well. I think that, for me, mm -hmm. the impetus of reevaluating my position is the people making the argument from the other side mm -hmm. and going, oh, I don't want to align with these people. This really doesn't matter all that much. Any yeah. given thing you see at a fucking furry con could be somebody's kink. Any given thing you see anywhere could be. Like, I could be sitting here in panties and with my striped socks up to my knees. You wouldn't know. I'm not, but... I could be. I mean, I might know, unless you're wearing pants over them. 
Yeah. Maybe I'm wearing a tube top and showing off my scars. Who I knows? Th- I thought you were going to say something like, I could have like a real fucking kink for microphones. And I'm so hard right now looking at this blue Look Yeti. Look how thick. I mean, <laughs> it's a real solid, heavy bass. Yeah. Got a flared bass. You could just really ride that thing and take some real deep recordings. <laughs> do not do that. Oh, my God. Ugh. Well, we need to listen to your bowel to make sure that everything is working. So we're going to give you a sedative. A little bit of lube. And here's the microphone we're going to use. And it's a fucking Blue Yeti. (laughs) At least it's not a snowball. (laughs) This might pinch a little going in. Oh no, the USB cord popped out and stuck in there. Well, it's okay. Get the jaws of life. I just feel that we have to push back against respectability politics. Yeah. We aren't going to make the straights like us. We're going to make the straights deal. Mm-hmm. We can't acquiesce to the fictionalized feelings of an unknown, probably fake minor. We can't tell the Dykes on Bikes and the Leather Daddies, whose leather family is the only family they have left, that they can't come because a little small ubu bean thinks that they're not family-friendly enough for Raytheon or Bank of America. Also, family-friendly is just a fucking right-wing code word. Oh, totally. It's religious indoctrination bullshit. Like, you can find family-friendly on DVDs for direct-to-disc Christian films at Walmart. It's got a little dove in a blue logo that says family-friendly. And, like, think of the children. Nah, dude. Fuck them kids. And and that's the thing, is that, like, not literally fuck them kids, but there are people that will use Think of the Children as just a justification for any fucking heinous act. And I saw another tweet, quite depressingly amusing, you know, out with my child, sees a man and a woman kiss. Oh, that's cute. Out, Out with my child, sees two men kiss. Oh, great. Now I have to explain what fisting is to my eight year old. (laughs) <laughs> and that's really how people treat it sometimes it's like oh it's like well they're kissing why because they like each other okay yeah well, i mean like i have this anecdote where i uh i was taking adam out and walk across the street there's two kids on bike they hop off adam runs over they pet him they're like oh hey what's your dog's name i tell him and then the other kid who's just some little nerd it's like are you a boy or a girl it's like well i'm a guy he's like well you look like a girl and i'm just like that's just how it is sometimes yeah and he goes okay and he runs back to his bike and they ride off and that's it kids are a lot smarter than you fucking give them credit for they're just gonna go oh, okay most of the time if anything yeah and it's like oh you know why does that person have a dog mask on they like wearing costumes it's not halloween you can wear a costume outside of halloween but you're an adult you can do that shit yeah exactly so, there's also, like, there's so many anecdotes of, like, little girls playing with Barbie and making Barbie and Skipper kiss because they're friends. And it's like, I'm sure some homophobic Christian parent comes in and slaps the dolls out of their hands or something like that. And, you know, it's just like, kids don't give a shit. You know, and I think the fact that we've given, like, 30 minutes to this discussion is probably more than it really deserves but it needs to be said that like a lot of this is done in bad faith and that you you the listener are free from this discourse yeah because you don't have to engage with these fake bad faith things honestly read the quite long twitter thread that i retweeted because even if you know you you're firmly on one side of this um 
discourse. It's actually a really informative thread anyway as far as the history of Pride and the history of how the AIDS epidemic affected Pride and how the leather daddies and kinksters like fit into that narrative. It's long, but it's it's really informative. Speaking of long, but really informative, the other thing I wanted to discuss is H Bomber Guy's new yeah. YouTube video. But as a final final note though, a lot of you are gonna realize none of this affects you because Pride is traditionally outside. <sighs> Okay. okay. Yes, H Bomber Guy's new video. H Bomber Guy. So he did, he released a YouTube video, Vaccines, a Measured Response, which is, you know, he, he has a whole series of measured response videos, like, including like Flat Earth and stuff like that, uh, where he doesn't just come on and say, the people that believe this are fucking dumb. He comes on and says, okay, I'm going to actually approach this in a intellectually honest way. And I'm going to look into what are they actually basing their thoughts on? What is the origin and development of this particular phenomena? So what really got me about this is that this video is an hour and 40 minutes long. It is a feature length documentary. And, and I don't use that term lightly. Like it's an actual documentary. For free on YouTube. He had like, they talk about, um, because the whole, the vaccines cause autism is the central thing of the anti-vaxxers. But they had like a sensitivity viewer to make sure that they were using all the right words of terminology to speak about autism and autistic people. You know, he, he had animators do a couple of things apparently uh several of his patrons are actual scientists and um patrons to him get to view the video early so like they would actually provide scientific feedback which is extremely valuable they had lawyers in the uk and the us uh, because you're dealing with people the subjects of the documentary or in different countries and they wanted to make sure that they didn't say anything that could get them sued and there is there are some edits to it you know where they have to be like allegedly this guy scammed a bunch of people or, or something like that but it's very interesting so to go back to the late 90s where this doctor at the time he's not a doctor anymore <laughs> uh andrew wakefield was the author of a not even a scientific report it's like a quick look kind of thing it's like only five like pages it's five pages long and it was published in a respected magazine which what's amusing about that is that in the actual same issue they had other scientists be like this doesn't look conclusive like at all like they they were so dubious about it even as they were publishing it that they published not quite rebuttals but sort of uh, from other scientists i don't know about that chief one of the guys that worked on it actually because usually um like in uh Science and academia, you try to get publications uh, as a way to, like, advance your your career. And that's very important. And when you're, like, a new person in the field, you will, will, like, the lead scientist on the paper, it's by them. But there's all these co-authors who are all the other lab assistants and scientists and research assistants that were working on it 
with Andrew Wakefield. And um, the, one of the guys that was on it, who his task was to test if there was any DNA of measles in these children's intestines, because that would prove the link between this intestinal disease that is caused by the MMR vaccine, which mutates into autism. This is Wakefield's yeah, his theory. hypothesis, right? And this and the scientist was like, you know, I found zero traces in any of the test subjects, and then Wakefield decided that he would put. The, the that stuff was found anyway and this guy was like i don't want my name on that paper yeah you know and this is like a guy who was like young at the time it was been like in his 20s probably just out of grad school or something like that probably would have been really important to like have his name on a publication the, that was going in the lancet but he felt strongly enough about it back then to be like no uh, and and since then, something like seven of the ten people who are co-authors on the paper have have denounced it or have said, "Yeah, I did the research, and these results are correct, but I completely disagree with his conclusions." Yeah, to the point that the actual like paper that triggered this entire the entire anti-vax movement has been retracted and like if you pull up a version of it, it has the word retracted printed at a 45 degree angle in bright red text across every page yep it's like this is fake and gay you can't use this <laughs> and you know not only did wakefield lose his license to practice medicine but like the guy who research he had based this on who was a total quack also lost his um medical license uh in his case for stealing drugs for personal use from the place he worked at yeah. the time um uh, but it all turns out that this is all like a big fucking racket created by a lawyer that hired wakefield to create a scientific paper to literally invent a disease that they could then sue pharmaceutical companies that were creating the MMR, which is the combined measles, mumps, rubella vaccination. And this is why on the early days, Wakefield is like, no, you need to separate them and give three different vaccines. And he had, funny enough, total coincidence, had a patent on a measles vaccine. Wow! By itself. Well, it's just a total coincidence, right? Because they actually had to, like, this is something that the H-Bomber guy actually put in there. It's like, okay, we can't actually say that he got the patent and then pulled this shit in order to be rich. But it sure is a coincidence that in, like, 1996, this patent was granted. And then two years later, he wrote this study... That, and then went on a shitload of fucking interviews saying, no, you have to use a single vaccine. And what's funny is that his whole fan base, they didn't get the subtlety of that difference. They latched on to all vaccinations are bad and cause autism, no matter what the vaccination is for, whether it's MMR or whether it's something else. So he actually... Has now he's like a rock star at these anti-vax conferences. Apparently, there are like 
conferences for this. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but now, you know, he has to basically say all vaccines are bad, even though there's like hours of footage of him from 20 years ago saying that he believes in vaccines, but they have to be done in the way that benefits him like, financially. He's been he's <laughs> been interviewed by fucking Alex Jones, so you can kind of guess where he's coming yeah. from here. H Bomber guy drops that in there. He's like, I know what you're thinking. He he wouldn't possibly stoop to Nope, nope, here he is on Alex Jones. But anyway, the main reason that I mentioned this is that I was just really fucking impressed that this one dude, this gaming YouTuber who has become very interested in politics in the last couple of years and started to put out some really interesting, informative videos, assembled a team and made a documentary. Like, fucking beyond Michael Moore levels, you yeah. know? Like, it's just a, a really well... Like, it should be up for, like, a Best Documentary Award or something like that. And I'm just kind of... Like, I, I kind of blew off YouTube in general as, ah, oh, it's a place for entertainment, so funny skits, occasionally, like, an angry political rant that I could shake my fist along with and agree with, you know? Like, this was real fucking investigative journalism, basically. Yeah. And with I'm really impressed. And... With citations, yes. I think he said there was, like, 125 of them. And when you're watching the video and when he is saying something that is cited in the lower right, there will be a number in brackets, and that is... Like the citation on Wikipedia, and it's all in the fucking description. Um, it, it, it's just really impressive. It's an hour and forty minutes long, but it is very informative. And his style is is like he has a like he does have some comedic elements in there. I don't even think that's his strength, though. I think his strength is actually being able to like break down and explain shit. In, in a plain language sort of way that is also entertaining and kind of quickly moving. And so even though it takes like an hour and 40 minutes, it, does, it didn't feel that long. Yeah. And it's actually really informative. Also really sad because like you can see the trajectory of where this anti-vax movement went and how fucking dangerous it is. Well, and the thing is like it all started as a way for him to make money. And yep. now we have thousands of dead kids because of it. Yep. And, like, what's worse is, like, that that kind of vaccine hesitancy is still bleeding into, like, people refusing to get the COVID vaccine. Yep. Um, I saw a thing today where it's, like, big news. COVID hesitancy is down seven points among Republicans. Now only 37% will refuse to get it or something yep. like that. And it's, like, for fuck's sake. He has a graph at the end of his video that shows, like, there was, like, four categories of people on the va on the COVID vaccine, there was like, yes, I'll get it as soon as it's available. I might wait a bit and see what happens. Or I may get it if it's mandatory. I will never get it. And the, the first one grew a little bit and the second one shrunk a little bit. So more people, as time went on and more people got vaccinated and you now all your friends and coworkers are like, yeah, I got vaccinated. And then I saw so-and-so last weekend and it was great. Those people on the fence are largely going towards, yeah, I'm getting vaccinated. But the latter two categories stayed steady. So there's a set percentage of people who are just not going to change their minds, no matter how much information you give them. 
And that's sad. And it's a real concern because if we don't get a high enough percentage of vaccinated people, then we don't get herd immunity and we don't stop the viruses mutating, you know? So we just kind of cross our fingers that hopefully those first two groups, like, continue to grow. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is people getting bullied into it. And you really do need to because, like, look, I don't give a shit if Kevin Sorbo doesn't get it. But I do care if there's enough local furries that could help it have a foothold in the region, you know? Right, yeah. And so, like, I would like to be able to attend Furry Siesta or Act 5. You know, I'm still going to mask up because I don't want to get sick. I like not being sick. That's nice. But I don't want to have that little worry in the back of my mind that is some motherfucker going to come up and cough on me while I'm trying to sell them books and get bread of play, get a con, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. It's bad enough there's con crud. Yeah. Now you throw this shit into the mix. It's like, oh, is this just a really bad flu that somebody brought over from California, or am I just going to die? You know, we've said it a lot. Get your fucking shot. I'm seeing some sort of vaguely triumphant thing. It's like, you know, 50% of America is now fully vaccinated. And I'm like, that's still a lot of people that haven't gotten their shot yet. Fuck. And so they're widely available. There's no excuse beyond obstinance at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vaccines Measure Response is a really good video. Take the time to listen to it. You don't even have to really watch it. It's it's an audio. Like, it, there is a visual element, but you can just, like, put it on the background and do other shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's visual elements. There's some charts. There's some interviews of Wakefield. And there's interviews with the reporter who, who did, like, a vast majority of the debunking of all this and actually was the one that discovered, like, a lot of the links about Wakefield having a patent. And stuff like that. Yeah. And what's funny is Wakefield tried to sue him, but the thing that he didn't bargain on is the process of discovery in a lawsuit, which means that the person that you're suing, them and their lawyers get to see all of your material, which means that this investigative journalist who was trying to uncover shit about Wakefield was basically handed a binder. With all of the unredacted reports from the research study in it. And Wakefield and his lawyer had to rush to the courthouse to withdraw his lawsuit. And he was still on... And then Wakefield was on the hook for the reporter's legal fees. Because in, in Britain, that's yeah, that's what happens. And he still got access to the files for a bit before... They had to give them back. So yeah, like, and it gave him enough fucking leads to find more shit. Yeah, and eventually what costs Wakefield his license. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, it's really fucked up. That... Oh, you know what's really fucked up? Well, there's lots of stuff so, that's really fucked okay, up. Okay, yeah, sorry. This motherfucker, Andrew Wakefield, not Dr. Andrew Wakefield, lives in fucking Austin. Yeah. On a villa with a beautiful view. Because even though his get-rich-quick-with-the-vaccine thing didn't pan out, he's made enough money on the lecture circuit, lecturing to people who are anti-vaxxers. There's literally an anti-vax sea cruise that he was a guest on. Wow, that sounds like a real nightmare. Like, fucking breezes are petri dishes as it is yeah anti-vaxxers hey we're getting some real exotic shit now i literally laughed out loud when that part came up on the video i was like holy fuck that it's uh it's an all conspiracy see it's called conspiracy 
S-E-A. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm not making this shit up. This sounds like a fucking bad furry fun. It is like a, it's an all-conspiracy theorist sea cruise. And Wakefield is not real happy, fuck him, about sharing the stage with flat earthers and Bush did 9-11 and JFK and Elvis are still alive and fucking on Mars type of people, you know? But they're not? Yeah. They're... He's a guest on the Conspiracy Sea Cruise, you know, in the year of our Lord COVID. And I'm just like, wow, yeah, you're right. That's a fucking beat. But the fact that this cocksucker is wealthy and living in a beautiful house in Austin, I'm just like, because he fled England, basically. Yeah. You know, and then he found rubes over here. To shill his bullshit, too. That's capitalism, baby. This whole thing, all this vaccine hesitancy, all this anti-vaccine bullshit was caused because a motherfucker wanted to make money on a vaccine patent. He literally fabricated the link entirely and has caused untold misery and death in his search for a buck. The irony is that uh, he effectively vaccinated Britain against anti-vax bullshit. Yeah, because you get there's a graph uh, in the video that shows like it's the graph of vaccine hesitancy and how it like it peaks at a point when Wakefield's study is uh, is published and then it starts dropping rapidly when the reporter who unfortunately I cannot remember his name it is in the video when the reporter publishes his report on Wakefield, and the vaccine hesitancy starts declining again. So then he shows a graph of where willingness to get the COVID vaccine is. It's like France starts low, but then as time goes on, gets up. In the U.S. is kind of in the middle here with a bunch of UK is up here. Like 80, 95 percent. Yeah. They don't they don't screw around over there. Like, you know, they had their scare. And apparently in America, people remember, oh, there was that report about vaccines linked to autism. In the UK, what they remember is, oh, that doctor that claimed that was a fraud and lost his medical license. Like, that's the cultural memory of Wake field over there so like uh, and i wish we had that yeah over here as an american culture but we're we're really easy to fool yep the british and the portuguese and the spanish and the french and the irish did not send their best when this country was founded yep (laughs) those two things big topics of the week just like god there's so much to them and like they require a bit of extra reading and just like sitting down to listen to a youtube video Mm -hmm. but it is worthwhile to educate yourself on this fact like because look there's either you're not going to be aware you have not been aware of this or you're going to learn some fun facts that you didn't already know and like it's that's the educational side of things is like it's not always furry bullshit it's like oh actually here's some real important shit from like just from a gay perspective and like it really does behoove us to to know this to like know our history as queer people or know our history is like why anti-vaxxing is just a fucking racket yeah. like not so much that like for your personal edification just you can like inform other people too when it comes up because like when it comes to the whole kink thing like you have to point out to people that like you know 
cross-dressing is viewed by some people as quote-unquote kink and you need to slap that down and like force them to define what they want and like when it comes to vaccines you can, you have to be able to say hey actually you know that dude was like a massive quack who was doing it for money and here's the links you know just have that tool in your arsenal and like you know if it's on the net people aren't probably going to listen but if it's in person there's a lot more effect there and so like you know knowledge is power Yep. On the furry side of things, and I'm not going to get into the discourse, I'm just going to say congratulations. There is a fursuit maker by the name of Zuri, who currently, so the last couple of years has been sort of a, oh, what's the record for the highest selling fursuit ever? And a couple of years ago, it was like a commission, it was like an auction, it went for like seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000 or something like that. Zuri's suit on the dealersden.com, uh, they are doing a, uh, they're auctioning a commission for a fursuit. It's currently sitting at $24,000 oh. with one day, 18 hours left in the auction. One of the things that he pointed out is like, payment plans are not possible. You have to pay me 30% down at the end, and they only accept bank transfer. Like, they do have a caveat that they accept PayPal only if you're willing to pay the fees, which is 2.9% of the final amount. But if they're really smart, they won't accept PayPal because PayPal is like, oh, it's a chargeback. No. Bank transfer, they're getting their fucking money. Yeah, I would absolutely insist on a bank transfer for that, for a transaction of, of that amount of money. This kind of thing's like, oh, that's too expensive. No, it's not. Shut the fuck up. This is, like, looking at this person's work, that's really complex. And they don't open their suits very often, doesn't look like. And so, Actually, it says on their Twitter bio that the commissions are closed, don't ask about commissions. So, basically, they don't do commissions. I don't know what they do in general if they just make suits and sell the design. But this one is is a YCH, basically. Um, it's a fursuit of a fursuit. Like, you get to yeah. specify it and have it made to, made to your, your character specs, and they never do this. And it's like, yeah, there are some suspiciously wealthy furries. And it's like, that's the joke. But it's not even suspiciously. It's people that make a couple hundred grand a year working in IT or something like that. I mean, you know, or... I, I've known there's there's like a, a little group of like investor furries that you know some of them do okay on the stock market or that's their job or whatever. Yeah, you know you had a good point though on Twitter where it's like you know furries need to kind of delineate between the mm -hmm. you know what's a business, what's a company because like you're like look I'm, for Planet's a company of two people, right? You and yeah. Kieran, and like you're still a company, but you're like you're literally two people, so like. Your weird anti-capitalist takes really don't apply here. Like, Zuri Studios, I don't know if they're a single maker or if they have a couple people or whatever, but, mm -hmm. like, it's still an individual putting their time and effort in. Right. Yeah. And if they can command that much money, all right, cool. People and that'll be a once-in-a-lifetime thing, you yeah. know? People getting their fucking feelings about Miles DF. Well, that guy charges like five grand for his art. Well, okay, well, he can command it and he doesn't have to take that many. And five grand for him living in like Eastern Russia, that's a lot of money. So mm -hmm. like he's literally paying for his entire family to fucking live in Eastern Russia with a single commission. Like, All I can say is I, I, I hope that both these people bank it, you know, that they bank a good chunk of that. And because, you know, that train won't, won't last forever. There will be another hot Russian artist or rare fursuit maker will, will come along in like yeah, we're a small community, and it's like, well, we're not, we're mid-sized. You know, there's there's enough space for competition, but like, you can't always bank on like a twenty five thousand dollar fursuit. Oh option, goodness, no. You know, so I was I, I would be like, you know, 
take your fucking expenses for a month or two and then bank the rest of that. But yeah, no, my, my point about the companies, um, that kind of came out of uh, the Don't Hug Cacti drama. You know, people were, were making claims about the owner, uh, what's her name, Lucky Coyote. And I happened to see a tweet that was just like, ugh, companies. As soon as a, like a fursuit maker becomes a company, it, it all becomes corrupt or something like that and i'm and i'm just like this is such a fucking dumb naive uninformed opinion you know to one person can be a company right that like sometimes you'll be like hey where's joe bobcat's table oh it's under the name bobcat scribbles because that's his business name or or something you know sorry a single person in the fandom it can be technically a company you know if you email for a planet it's not like well my customer service team of 200 people on the phone will fucking take your order no your email's gonna get answered by me or tyran you know as soon as we can around our day jobs and our personal lives and everything else going on and you know, we're not Amazon, my bad. We don't have fucking prime shipping and shit like that. Like, it's like, and it's just, a, it's a trend I've noticed on the far left of furries, but on the younger side, where people are a little less informed about how running a business works, yeah. where they think that any business is bad and evil whenever it's a company and not just one person selling to another single person it's bad or evil or has capitalistic motives i mean shit anybody that's doing a business in this fandom needs to be an llc at minimum anyway to cover their own ass in the case of being sued because i, I would can, highly recommend it yeah. you know running an llc is 500 bucks in texas and it's permanent or something like that it's not even that much i don't think and it's like that shields your assets like that way if somebody sues your ass for business stuff they don't end up taking your car right you know or like, God forbid your house. Yeah, so like that it's it's an uninformed take at minimum. Yeah. Same with like cons and stuff. Yes, they are technically businesses and corporations, but you know Yeah. We talked about this a couple of years. I was like, do do you know how much the furry fiesta board makes? And everyone's like, No. Negative numbers. Negative numbers, baby. Yeah. Um Yeah. When you put up startup capital and then you don't take any capital out you're just fucking donating to the organization yeah it's not like i have stock in creature arts or something you know that would be funny as hell i don't think it would do you really any good i mean like (laughs) we can function but it's not like we're we're not going to do weird shit to build shareholder value Right. We don't have yeah. shares. We're not a public company. And yeah, you know, and I saw somebody tweeting today that like, you know, once a company goes public, he he was like that it's basically over because then they're not just trying to do a good job or trying to make the best product that they can. Now they're having to appease shareholders. Um, yeah. And it was a really good thread because they're like, Amazon made $4 billion last year, but that wasn't enough for their shareholders. They wanted $5 billion. So, well, if we lay off several hundred people and limit hours on several hundred more, maybe we could squeak our our net profit to be five billion. Oh, and now the shareholders are happy and Amazon stock will go up. And this is all theoretical numbers, but it's kind of like, yeah, no, it really be like that. 
Yeah. You know, we're totally like, yeah, if I own share in Amazon and Amazon is like, our profit was $4 billion last year, I'd be like, that's fucking great. But I, I don't know what it goes through these people's minds when they're like, no, we wanted it to be $5 billion. Like, or, what the fuck, man? <laughs> and like, this happens a lot in... The, and this kind of happened with Patreon. Too, you know, Patreon got bought by some investment capital company who want them to turn X amount of profit. You know, I think so. Here's the thing with owning a company, you can pay yourself a salary because even if you're the sole employee of that company, if Patreon made zero dollars in profit, that would be fine. Like they pay the people that work there. You paid it's the CEO, the people that started it. You're paying your payment processor. You're you're making payments to all of your artists. But like all of all of the stuff beyond what goes to the creators and goes to payment processing and goes to web hosting, you know, that gets paid to the people that actually work at Patreon. And yeah, maybe you make like a decent salary salary at Patreon, but there's no fucking reason that you have to quote-unquote profit you know like yeah it'd be nice to maybe have a couple hundred grand in the bank rolling liquid assets for shit that might come up depending on the size of your business but your business business doesn't actually have to profit you have to be able to pay yourself enough money to meet your living expenses but this idea that like no no we own you now you have to make us a billion dollars like, that's just fucking poison to a company. If you're a small company with, like, 20 people and you're like, we're going to make the best damn widgets you've ever seen that will fill this particular need in your life and maybe you sell a million dollars a year and you all get paid a hundred grand a year and you're like, hey, that's great. I can afford a new car. I can make double payments on my mortgage or something. And you could just roll along for 20 years like that and be perfectly fine. Yeah. But as soon as you get fucking shareholders involved, and it's not even whether they're making X amount on a share, they have to put out these public statements that we anticipate we will make X amount of money this quarter. And if they fall short of that, your share price goes down, and then your company is considered less valuable. It's just all a fucking racket. Doesn't actually mean anything and you'll see shit like how much did fucking microsoft pay for skype like several billion dollars yeah, something like that it wasn't worth that no they just wanted to take it off the market so it was not a competition for them they rolled out teams after that uh, i know at least at my day job and um maybe tyrants i'm not sure they've stopped using skype and are using teams now so Microsoft is phasing that out. There's other shit like that. Like Slack got valued at like um, three and a half, four billion dollars or something recently. Like Discord just had a big cash that, infusion. That's from, what it was. Uh, Discord, I was thinking of. From yeah. Sony mm-hmm. to basically keep them out of the clutches of Microsoft. Yeah. And it's like, like years ago, Facebook, like Facebook was when it went public. When was, it bought Instagram. Yeah. And it was valued at billions and billions of dollars and i'm like is this glorified live journal actually worth billions and billions of dollars and i was like i didn't see it i mean i guess in ad revenue but 
like all these companies are overvalued you know somebody could probably come in here right now and tell me my business is worth a million dollars but it doesn't actually mean that it is yeah i'd have to trick someone into being like no no this guy says it's worth a billion dollars you should a million dollars you should totally buy it from me you know (laughs) and then i pay off my mortgage and i just put my feet up yeah but it's like build your corn empire yeah it doesn't mean it's actually worth a million dollars or you will never you will ever actually make that amount of the the best description that i've heard of the stock market is that it's a mood board for rich people yeah Um, yeah i've also heard that the the stock market graph is the graph of rich people feelings yeah which is also absolutely true it's all confidence like if people have confidence in the market markets up if you meet your expectations or exceed them then they have a lot of confidence in your company and your stock price goes up if you make three billion dollars instead of four like they thought you would your stock price goes down because even though you're profitable to the tune of three billion dollars it wasn't as much as what we thought it was so you're a less valuable company now does that make any fucking sense whatsoever no. Well, I mean, it's the same way with, like, Bitcoin and various cryptos. Right. They've all fallen in the toilet because Elon Musk is like, actually, we're not going to do this now. And so, oh, no, sell, sell, sell. And so, like, Ethereum is now worth less than when they started with that NFT craze that lasted a whole month. And the thing is, like, reading up on Bitcoin, you're like, originally, the idea was like, oh, you know, it's a decentralized currency People will be able to buy shit completely anonymous. So, you know, if, if you're into child porn or, or hiring people to assassinate somebody. Or hey, drugs. Or drugs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the H-Bomber guy's tweet was like, at least in 2009, the Bitcoin people had principles. You know, they wanted to buy drugs. But, but you know, now you, you can't even do that. It's all speculation. You know, it's as bad as houses. When you're not buying a house to live in, you're buying it because it might be worth three times what you paid for it five years from now, and then you can sell it at a profit. Yep. Which is just taking houses out of the out of the availability pool for people that want to actually live there. Ah, boy, how do you I know that fucking feeling? Oh, you know, I probably shouldn't have mentioned that. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Anyway, uh, our society is is bullshit and the stock market is gay yes we should all run out into the woods and be eaten by wolves truly knowing about real wolves they would probably run away from us yeah they'd be like the fuck is this this is weird go away no where are you going apex predator what the fuck is that guy doing you have to save your energy (laughs) so to to cap off the episode on a positive point because we actually are like because we didn't record for two weeks, we're at an hour forty on the raw. Mm-hmm. But in a positive, well, positive my attempt at a positive was, hey, this fursuit maker is going to make twenty five grand. You yeah, know, before that's a positive. Like, hey, good on them. I hope they they in- keep invest that money well. But the other thing, so the you're a brony in twenty twelve. You have two paths. <laughs> yeah, you become trans or you become a white supremacist. Right. Well, right. Um, the brony musician Odyssey Eurobeat, who uh, is the person who did the Discord song that was remixed by Living Tombstone. Um, you've probably heard it a million times if you're in the pony community, and even if you're outside the pony community, you've probably heard it. Thanks to the multimedia nature of this and the recording, I'm actually going to play a little bit of it just to revise people. Also, the uh, original version of it was posted nine years ago. Nine. Nine years ago. I feel so old. 5.6 million views, October 6, 2011. Good lord. Let's fucking just skip ahead. Yeah, 
It's terribly catchy, and will get stuck in your head. Yeah. Especially the chorus. Yep. Here it is. And that's enough of that, because it's going to get stuck in your head anyway. <laughs> but that artist, who, in addition to being a pony musician, is actually a very accomplished Eurobeat musician who contributed music to a lot of uh, the newer Initial D, which is a racing anime, mm. as well as other Eurobeat tracks. They, they came out as trans, and their name is Jenna. And they look a lot like uh, one of the Powerpuff Girls, or Jessa. Her name is Jessa. Oh, okay. Um, cool, cool. It's like, it's too much info for a single tweet, but if you missed what happened on my Twitch stream today, here it is. I came out. I'm a girl. My name's Jessa. Everything else about music work and such is going to stay about the same. They kind of did the Abigail Thorne thing where they're like, oh, by the way, I've been presenting mail for all this time, but I've actually transitioned, so here I am. Boom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, because Abigail Thorne did that with the Philosophy Tube video um, titled, I think, Black Star, um, which is a mm. really powerful scene because, like, they had a, a male actor standing in as them and then like yeah like by the way here's the fucking big reveal Boop, the dude fades out and then they come out as their current presentation yes um and then complete the video that way and really just apparently she'd been doing the more masculine voice on her last few videos been binding yeah with makeup and hair you could kind of confused gender a little bit but yeah had been presenting femme to all of her close friends and family for quite some time. In public, just not onto YouTube. Right. Um, So that's cool. Good for them. Good for her. Just add them to the pile of of bronies who've come out of some flavor of trans, some flavor of gender nonconforming, myself included. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there's that. So that's the good news. That's good for them living their life. Because, like, shit. 2011 when that came out. My God, I feel so old. (laughs) Ugh. Um, a lot of people that I interacted with back then have either gone one way or the other, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that they chose the good end, the, yes. the, good, the good choice on the path. It's like Undertale. Like, yeah. Choose the good end. It's like, do you hug the goat or kill the goat? Do not kill the goat. But yeah, that's just interesting because like I hadn't thought of this person forever, but it just mm-hmm. kind of like blows up because, oh yeah, that coming out i'm like word really because like yeah i I have on my on my pc if i still have a bunch of my old pony music and shit like from like my old old imac Mm -hmm. i have all that music from way back then and i don't know if it holds up technical technically or if i would even want to listen to it but it's still one of those like damn that that's interesting like 10 years ago mm-hmm. jesus oh may 2011 that sure was a time but that that's a good thing that's, that's a good, good thing. thing good yep. for her good for her so as we go into pride month don't just have pride have defiance don't be gay as in i'm happy i'm queer as in fuck you <laughs> you know go out there wear your rainbows be defiant and show people that you accept yourself and that if they don't like it, they can suck shit. That's the energy we need to carry into this as we all reemerge from our cocoons, as we reemerge into the world that I'm me, deal with it, nerds. And if that's, you know, going out presenting how you like or going to a pride event wearing a collar or a, a harness go for it you know you gotta be yourself it doesn't need to be pride month maybe make it gay wrath month yeah you know? no i'm totally down with that yeah. 
my my current display name on Twitter is Gay Wrath Advocate. Because <laughs> that's really how it has to be sometimes. Refuse to let them break you down, or if they have to, make them suffer for it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> as we're now nearing two hours on the raw recording, why don't we wrap it up, and then I can buy a copy of uh, Glow Possum's Crossing the Bridge from you. Yay! So, you can do that as well yourself if you go to forplanet.com and buy yourself some comic books or books that are very gay or very trans, very queer. Yes. You can do it. There's even some straight stuff for you sachet listeners. <laughs> um, forplanet.com. Use the coupon code NOT and receive 0% off because we don't do that. <laughs> Those margins are tight enough as it is. Tighter um, enough. Uh, anyway. You can use our coupon code NOT at adamandeve.com and save yourself 50% off an item and get some other goodies. So I was a little disappointed. I, I pulled out the card from uh, Wolf and Horses Ghost Store and looked on the website and they didn't really have what I was looking for. Mm. And I was like, it's, you know, it's the normie shit. Like, no, where, where's the harnesses? Where's the pup hoods? They don't have that on their website. Ah, oh. oh, well. Um, anyways, but yeah, adamandeve.com. Coupon code not. Buy yourself some sex toys. Yeah, for some things for your butt and or vagina. Whatever you got. Or, also, uh, I was say, or mouth. I've seen a couple of video of little video clips on the AD Twitter where, like, someone takes off a mask and there's like a fucking footlong dildo attached oh, to it. Oh, they're doing just like going deep down throat training. Throat and oh just man! And I'm just like, how does that work? That looks intensely uncomfortable. But yeah, I would be terrified of choking. But then again, I'm you know, you got to start somewhere. Different, different strokes, you know. Yeah. Um, also, baddogbooks.com. Buy some D books. Other than that, hey, we have Patreon, patreon.com slash healthpodcast. You can give us a buck an episode. That'd be cool. We appreciate it if you did, because that lets us purchase uh, new shit. Uh, that lets us purchase XLR cables. XLR cables and microphones and various things. Pop we got some guards. windscreens. Yeah. Like we, we've had some of this shit for over a decade. We've taken good care of it, but like sometimes it wears out. So we actually use a bit of that Patreon money to just replace a bunch of stuff uh for our big box for our podcast box yeah which unfortunately today we're recording at fuzz's place we're using my laptop and a yeti but you know we have our regular ass podcast box we use when we're at shiva's place but she's out seeing family so we're not recording at her place where the equipment is oh well yeah and we'll be doing it like this again next week too yep <sighs> so uh on that note good night and gay wrath